Hi, my name is Christina, and I'm the host of the WTF Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the movers and the shakers of the world who live lives that make others stop and ask, what the fuck? But here, WTF means walking towards fear, straight into the heart of discomfort in order to live an exceptional life. This week's guest on the Walking Towards Fear podcast is Venora, who actually I met on night one of the PCT and now has his trail name Eagle Eye. So Hi. I would love for you to share a little bit about who you are, where you're from, and actually how you got your trail name. Okay, so I'm from Sri Lanka, a small country just below India. Um, I knew the trail for a long time, way back in like four years ago, I guess. I was like wanting to do it for a while. I was in Nepal then I was like, yeah, for a, for like a month doing like this circuit. And then I met this other guy who talk, told me about the trail. And I was like, yeah, that is the next thing to do. It sounds interesting because for me, when I look at from like, like my small island here in the country, I was like, that is something big. If I can do it, that would be really great. So fast forward to four years, somehow somewhere I managed to come to US and get on the trail. Yeah, the Eagle Eye name came from uh, coming down to Scissors Crossing. One of the hikers has lost their garment and everyone was looking for it. And I was so tired because that's this, this big climb down, right? To the Scissors Crossing. So you down, down, down for long and it's like hot one o'clock, one or two o'clock in the daytime. It's like really hot. There's like no tree cow in that area. And there's this small shed, like everyone, people who goes there, I think everyone takes a break there. So that's when he lost his coming. Uh, I came down there. I was tired. I was like, yeah, I'll join you guys to search party. Just give me like 10, five minutes at least, you know, to rest up. And he had his... um connect to the garment anyway and it's like making this noise but everyone is like looking for it and no one can find it what happened was it has fallen into a pocket on the ground so when it makes the sound it's kind of project the sound somewhere else so not like everyone is trying to like locate the sound but they can't because it's kind of you feel like it's coming from different different places from where you are anyway I actually saw it because I was like tired and I was just looking to a skirt. Okay, I'll I'll start looking instead of like trying to hear this. Then I saw it like inside this small but I saw that um, all orange color stripe on Garmin and I saw it and that's that's when he named me like Eagle Eye because when everyone is like hearing it, I kind of started hearing it, I kind of started looking for it. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things like most people don't lose their garments and if they do, like you just said, they're bright orange. Uh, so it must have been like a perfect kind of peak scenario on that one. Yeah, yeah. But we're recording this episode now. We are in January. So we've both been off the trail for a while. But before we kind of get to the the post-trail life, and you said you had known about the PCT for about four years before you mm-hmm. actually went out and made it happen. Um, and I know we had talked early on in the trail where, did you know, were you able to confirm if you are the first person from Sri Lanka? No. No, so I mean this year, um, you know, um, Swami Spitakost, uh, he, like he's another like it's another trail name. He's another Sri Lankan that finished this year. Like he started after me, but finished before me. <laughs> yeah, uh, so he's there. If there's no one else, because I couldn't confirm that there was anyone before either of us. But I know he finished this year first. Uh, he's uh, he's lives in Canada and he he's he was doing his triple crown. So he's like this is his final hike and he did the, his triple crown. So uh, it's not me for sure. That part for sure. <laughs> but yeah. still, only having a handful of people from your country to do it is yeah. such a cool accomplishment. Just, yeah, I couldn't find anyone from like my country, like right here, went to US and do it. Uh, like um, uh, the. The other guy, like this one, because the one who completed is he lives in, he migrated to Canada like 10, 12 years ago. Uh, sorry, I don't know, even more than that, maybe like 40. When he was like seven or eight years old, now he's like 40, like what, 35 years ago. So he was the one who did, did, completed before me. But I don't know anyone who went from here just to the trail. I don't know anyone right now. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. So talk to me about that experience. Like, obviously, all the international hikers have to go through the visa system, not just the permit system. Yeah. So what was it like getting ready for the trail and being like, okay, I have to leave everything behind and go get myself to Campo, California? 
<laughs> so let's let let let's take a step back, right? So this is just after COVID, okay? So during the COVID year, no one got visa. There was just like no like embassies stopped issuing visa and whatnot, right? Um, I applied for like my visa like a year ago, like just before COVID. Then I I knew I was not gonna go get it in twenty twenty one. And I waited then towards like end of 2021, like December, I did not have visa. I gave up like if I don't have visa by like January and there's no way I'm getting my visa like next three months, next three, four months. Somehow on like the last week, it was like last week of January, there was this one opening for interview, just one opening out of nowhere. I booked it. I went there. And I got my visa in like the beginning of, I got my visa on like third week of February. I did not have any gear board. Uh, I did not have any tickets or anything for like no preparations, like zero. I knew the trail, I have studied the trail and whatnot. Yes, for sure. In like logistically, I had like no preparations at all because I was like given up. Uh, I, I, only thing that I had was the uh, permit because I applied in January, January and I got it. And I was about to like, you know, cancel it so someone else can else can take it. And all of a sudden I had visa and I was like, oh, right now I had like really, really start getting into buying stuff for the hike. So yeah. And meanwhile, I'll just keep continuing my whole story way up like I came to US. Uh, meanwhile, Sri Lanka was going through an economic crisis and a political uh, crisis as well. So our economy isn't that good. At the same time, we had all of those restrictions putting up. So because Sri Lanka was in a, such a bad um, economical, economical place, economically bad place, they have put like, for even like online purchases, we can't use for like what, um, $500. We had like a limit. You can't really, like, if I want to buy like 1,200, 3,000 worth of gear, I can't really purchase everything at once. They have put like limits. I had my card like thousand dollars a week or a month. I can't really remember the limit, so I can't. I can only use like one card for one purchase for this time. So I had like kind of uh, spread it out across like a two months period. Every week I buy like uh, three or four things, all the way up to like towards the first week of April. So every week I buy three or four gears and order it to my friend's place who was living in San Diego. So like that. It took me two months to buy all the game. Every week I buy something. I had like three credit cards. I used one of my mother's card, my card, and my sister's card just to buy stuff. <laughs> it is so funny what's was going on. It was like, anyway, somehow managed to get everything. Got my ticket. And yeah, it has been a roller coaster after that. <laughs> so do you remember what the first couple pieces of gear you bought were, given you had to break it down into smaller purchases? Yeah. First, I got my uh, tent and backpack. That's the first thing I ordered. Like I, I first want to get less high value items out. Like the main costs are your backpack, your sleeping bag, uh, quilt, and what you call your bag, right? Those are like the most expensive gear that you bring you know, with you. So I just you know went from like most high value items all the way to the low value items because I knew because of all situation in the country they have they started putting like restrictions on your um, cards and whatnot so i knew by the time it's starting they will have gone from like thousand dollar limit to a card to like maybe 800 700 like they started going down like slowly so i was like you know just get out of those high value items out but yeah um that worked out fine for me but it was intense <laughs> it sounds like it more logistic hurdles than you planned um, yeah. And then, given that you got your visa so late, like mm -hmm. in, in February, yeah. and we started on the same day, because I met you that first night with everybody um, at camp on night one and on April 19th. Yeah. So what were you doing before where you were able to kind of stop everything fairly quickly and take off to the PCT? Um. Yeah, pretty much that's what I did. So I was, I has been working... Um, I started working right after, right in the middle of COVID. But when I was joining the company, I pretty much told him I might do this in within next four years. 
and if you guys are okay to me taking six months off i'll join you i pretty much told them and there was like five or six companies that i got interviewed for and like got selected right when i said that they said like no way the company that i work for said like right now i'm working for said yes uh, so it was very easy for me when I had visa. I just pretty much couldn't tell my boss here. I got my visa. I'm going this year, this date. I'm gonna, and I will come back, <laughs> come back late, end of October, back to work. Are you okay? It's like, no worries, go and come back. So I kind of dropped everything and pretty much took a flight. <laughs> okay, that is so cool. So when you were interviewing for jobs, you were like, I'm only going to accept it if you let me go explore for six months. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I, I pretty much told them that. <laughs> That's awesome. So I'm assuming you're with the same company now then, now that you're back from the PCT? Yeah. 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 I okay. still work for them. I mean, I mean they, they, are, they are good place. They are good people. I mean, they let me go and take care of me. So I don't mind working for them for a while. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair to repay them for their kindness. Yep. Uh, yep. And how did your family feel about you? traveling across the world to go hike the PCT? Um, so my father is a sailor. He, he is in, goes on ships anyway. So he did not have like, you don't have to go. You know, he did not have an opinion. Just go, you know what you're doing, just come back. And my sister is like, yeah, that's what you do. I think my mother is the more, like the person who was like really concerned. Because I, I, I have been to like Nepal and I have like been outside the country and hiked and whatnot. But at the same time, like six months, especially, I mean, I'm, I'm coming from an Asian background, right? We are like, we are like more like family first kind of a culture that we have more than like individualized. So whatever I do, there's, there's a lot of saying to say with everyone. So my mother was concerned, but at the same time, she knew I would go anyway, regardless of what she said. So she has this policy that you'd rather do something with her blessing or without her blessing. So she was like, just go there, come back. And at the same time, just keep me updated. All of those things that you keep your people back at home updated. So yeah, but I think from everyone, my mother's like, shit scared. I think that's <laughs> yeah. also just the, the mom role. Yeah, the mother, the mom, mom, the mom, right? Yeah. Right. Uh, so knowing that, you know, there's that really strong sense of family for you. How much did you miss your family when you were out there? Or were you just having the time of your life and you didn't think about them? Uh, okay, so there's this, um, I think, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not a homesick person, to be honest. I don't get homesick. So as a person, I did not feel that like, you know, I'm healthier. what I felt was something different. So like this period was like April to, there's this in the economic crisis that Sri Lanka was going through. It was like the worst period. There's like two, three months, there was like, power eight hour power cuts in Sri Lanka there's no fuel and what and all of that for this period of like two three months and I was seeing that on my social media and I did not know how to feel about it because here I'm having this you know big good time and I have friends and family and everyone was this going hard time back at home and people were protesting against the government it went to a point where the government actually resigned and there's this new government like everything back right now okay Okay, I seen this where like, no, there's power and whatnot and everything like people can travel around. It was in a point where like everything was shit in the country. So I did not know how to feel about it. Whenever I look at my social media, I feel like really sad. Then you see this amazing mountain view and you go like, ah. <laughs> so so I, I kind of stopped looking at it. Like I kind of shut off my social media altogether, like browsing and whatnot and keeping up. So that was my problem and that was a bit hard. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like it would be hard knowing that there's kind of turmoil happening while you're out having yeah. this amazing experience. And you have these friends who like, you know, going on protests and, you know, doing this as you protest and you have a friend circle. Like, so that was the thing. Other than that, yeah. So it sounds like you kind of disconnected a little bit from social media. Do you yeah. remember what point at the trail that was? Was that, you know, like 100 miles in? Was that 300 miles in? Uh, I think that's uh, around like mile... But after like 200, first 200, after 200, first 200 miles, yeah. Yeah, so this is like two weeks into, like, you know, uh, one and a half, two weeks in. Okay. So I, I think it's been interesting talking with a lot of people who kind of tried to disconnect from social media while they were out on the trail. Like, yeah. what did you notice that was different when you were able to like disconnect and just kind of be present on the trail? 
once but it, it comes to a point where like you are like in a state where okay i'm here i'm enjoying this and the everything else goes like background it's there i mean it's there but it doesn't really come to you know as you don't you don't worry about you only think I, you come come into like a trail mindset like when is the next order when is the next town when is the next you know trail angel will show up like only all the only those things not okay my friend got married not that what's happening with my sister with my mother not that you can that goes to your background so you you started become like really present i think i think that is one of the best thing about the trail you can just you know be there yeah yeah for sure i i think a lot of people kind of talk about how being present like that shifted even how they've like come back home uh, but obviously you knew about the pct for four years you were curious to do it you didn't do a ton of preparation because you weren't expecting to get your visa but what if anything actually surprised you about the trail like it either exceeded your expectations or you just weren't expecting it people uh especially like that so okay so let me explain it let, let you know when you go through a lot of um, media and whatnot there's like a lot of fear mongering like um like you see all the bad stuff right mostly you know this guy died and that happened and people are not very good more individualistic and what all of that you know all the red flags right but when it comes down to the ground and actually being with the people and they are one of the most you know giving and accommodating people that i have been with i have traveled a bit so at the same, so that doesn't get highlighted out there. It's just fear mongering, like a lot of fear mongering. I mean, yeah, any country has good and bad for sure. That doesn't mean like only bad. Like my problem is like I only have seen like heard bad. Even before I go from here, a lot of people say like be careful. You know, people might you know they use guns, blah blah blah, all of that, right? But this is when people are nice. <laughs> And, and, uh, I, uh, and uh, people care, cared about me and in return I cared about me. And I don't know, it's, I don't know whether it's just a trail because I experienced the trail and the community around it. I don't know whether it's just that or it's eccentric everyone else. My experience was a positive one in that sense. So that surprised the hell out of me. Yeah, honestly, I think there is fear mongering, right? In so many different places along the trail. And part of that's safety related, right? You're out there, like you, you have to be aware and alert. And they talk about like the community and the trail angels and the trail magic and the kindness of strangers. But I would agree like that really, how much kindness there was even surprised me. Like it was fun to see. Um, and I would say I wasn't really, I wasn't nervous about the hiking part. I was more nervous about like quitting my job and putting my life on hold. Was there anything that you were like in particular nervous for while you were like getting ready to make this journey? Hold on. I mean, I knew like time will stop for me. I mean, I, I felt right. Like towards like the middle of the hike, I felt like time stopped for me, but everyone is kind of moving on with their life. Like I had like a few of my best friends got married. A few of like some people had kids and all of that. Like they have their life keep moving and people getting into new jobs and whatnot. Like that life stopped for me. But at the same time, I had like amazing other life, another name. It's like a totally different person out there. Like it's not Winner Pereira who's hiking. <laughs> it's just eagle eye hiking, you know, <laughs> with his friends. <laughs> so so it's it's felt like you know another version of me but at the same time like as a fears it's not that i did not feel that you know sometimes you get into thinking okay when i get back what would i do where my career stability and all of that but i wouldn't i wouldn't i would say i would do it again i would do it again if i had the choice because what i realized is i think about how many people has done PCTO last whatever the years, like less than 10,000, right? Completed people. There's like there's like 7 billion people in planet Earth. So <laughs> you're like less than 1%. I think it's a privilege itself. So I felt special in that way. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And you should. I mean, you walked across 
a lot of miles. Yeah, um, yeah. So to experience that, to actually live it, it's I think special thing. So that that thought process is you know stronger than the whole negativity, the whole the fears that I had. I think that's that's sort of compare. Yeah. yeah, I I would agree with that. And I think there's a shared sentiment there with a lot of hikers that I've talked to after the trail of, yeah, there were some fears because like I'm a human being and I feel that, but the experience overall was just way better. And I know actually that you, I believe that you had a, did you have an injury while you were on trail? Yeah. How did that go? No, I, I twisted my ankle like really bad. It, it, it it became, so coming down from Santa Cinta mountain uh, i twisted my ankle like really really twisted it 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 was okay for the first day the second day the next day i woke up and my leg didn't like i couldn't do the twist like ankle movement like this it's kind of like this then when i tried to move it the pain was so much so that i started limping uh i tried a lot of things and at one point i thought i might have to quit like really quit because it could be a hairline fracture. So I was about to do that. And for for some reason, I got like, um, after like a week, the first week, it's, it's the pain started slowly, right? So it was like, um, this is just before hot springs, Warner hot springs, right? Before Joshua Tree in hot springs. So uh, you get, uh, there was this bridge and you got like, I got like signal there before crossing the bridge. Um, and I texted Blaze, like saying, make me explaining everything. Okay, this is what's happening in my head. And she's like, um, okay, do these exercises. And if your pain goes down, it won't be a fair line fracture. At the same time, she says, if it's a pain, your feeling is that much, it's not, it's okay to just go and take a look as well. So it's up to you because she can't give a medical advice just by text. But these are the, these. if you can do these exercises, it will be, it can't be a one, but you, she can't really diagnose it. So I did the exercise that the pain went down and I was like, okay, I can keep going. And I met her and she kind of you know looked at it and gave all the exercises. My point was when I did not know what it was, whether it's a hairline fracture or whatever the thing is, when I didn't know, my mind was going crazy. Okay, if you keep kept walking, this could go wrong, and you might end up with a permanent injury. So you need to quit. You need to not not even quit. Like you need to get off trail, go to a proper doctor, get an X-ray, get an MRI, do all of that, and diagnose properly and get to know what that is. So that means taking like two, three, two weeks at least off, right? So getting back on trail and going back. I knew that if I do that. I was just, you know, thinking in my head, then I might not have enough time to complete all the trail. Then, you know, you get into this downward spiral, you get sad and you know, all of that. So that was not a mentally good place to be in. <laughs> but I don't know, for some good reason, Blaze was there on this trail this year for a lot of hikers. I think she saved like a lot of through hikes for a lot of people. And I'm one of them and I'm like grateful for that. Yeah, for sure. I'm hoping actually to have um, Morgan on the podcast sometime soon. Uh, But yeah, she she was awesome. And outside of that injury, right, where you thought you might be kind of like forced off the trail, did you ever consider quitting just like having a bad day? Uh, It's more about, I knew I had like, I thought about it, right? I also, on the day, so just before I actually contacted Blaze, I actually made plans to get off trail. So my aunt lives in LA. So it was like one and a half, two hour drive for her to come and pick me up. So I called her to get all the whole situation. She said she'll, you know, book a doctor, come back next day morning, pick me up. All of that. I made plans, like proper plans. <laughs> and I was like about to quit. Then I texted Blaze like, and slept, pretty much slept. The next day morning, I woke up around like five or six in the morning. Then my aunt had sent me a message and she will come around like midday because she has some work in the morning. So I just hang around near the trailhead. I was like, all right, I can do that. Uh, then I saw the Blaze text, okay. And she's explaining, okay, these are the steps that you need to do. And if 
if you can self diagnosis okay this is what the these are the movements that if you can this can do these movements and the pain goes down you should be fine it can't be if because she says she was saying if there was a hairline fracture or something you won't be able to do this so i was able to do that and my pain went down and i was like all right cancel the pains get back uh, at the same time i i slowed down i was doing like back like 20 miles at that point so i went back to line like doing like 10 to 15 like slow the hell down and you know started doing like 10 miles again kind of started like rebuilding my strength and you know giving more rest at the same time i started waking up very early do like seven miles in the morning stop for like six hours like i stop around i start around like five stop at 10 and then again start in the evening around like four in the evening go till like nine eight nine so that have like two big breaks instead of this one continuous hike so i think that and you know massages as well as carry tape all of that kind of helped out but yeah i made plans to quit <laughs> so knowing that you made plans to quit were you hiking with other people at that time or were you just kind of doing your own thing so i was i was hiking with three others and i pretty much told them just go it, it was way too sad me. <laughs> yeah and I, I, I remember this like very vividly in my mind. I woke up like saying goodbye to them in that morning. I think they left around like five in the morning. And I was looking at just they are just disappearing into the mountains with the headlamps on. It was like so much heartbreaking. <laughs> so heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thinking your hike might be over and like watching your friends disappear, like hiking ahead. That yeah. is heartbreaking. <laughs> and then on the flip side, right, when you decided, okay, I actually can keep hiking, I don't think this is a hairline fracture, were you able to catch those same friends later on, um, or did you end up finding a different group, or how'd that work? I mean, so a couple of things, right? No, I, I mean, I did not find, and I did, I couldn't go with anyone else either, because I was too damn slow, right? <laughs> and I was doing this weird thing, like, you know, doing, like, three, four hours in the morning and do like four, five hours in the evening. So no, I, I couldn't like keep up with anyone because I was slow. At the same time, because of I'm taking like huge breaks in the middle. So I was kind of on my own for like next 300 miles because this happened around this, like my twist happened around like uh, this, 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 it was worst around mile 300 till I get to like mile 600, my ankle was messed up. But towards like end of the mile 300, I was in the new trail family um, with Big Red and Two Pines and everyone. Yeah, towards like end of that whole solo experiment. <laughs> yeah, how was yeah. your experience hiking by yourself versus with the trail family? Uh, I would say I I, a trail family like you kind of move together you kind of make plans to camp together all of that right it was fun i mean when i started it was one thing everyone most of the most of us was new to the whole through hiking so everyone was trying to figure out figuring it out and it has kind of made this sharp feeling like we are all in this in this pain together and it was nice uh so it is good and it's good to have friends and not all of that. So I really enjoyed it. Then when my ankle twisted and I kind of let them go and started going alone, it kind of gave me time to do the other things I wanted to like take, spend more time taking photographs, uh, taking videos, do all of that. Because earlier when you, if you want like kind of go the space of your trail family, kind of give up maybe if i want to spend like five or ten minutes taking a lot of photos maybe i might have gave that up given that up right but i started you know doing all of that like you know, taking a lot of photos doing doing slow shutter long exposure photos all of that all of the things that i enjoyed for myself so it's like both have high points but at the same time i enjoyed both i i don't know what to pick but i think because uh, 
I kind of let my original like let them go in the first place. When there's when whenever something that came uh, to like if I had to stop because of my trail family or what, I like towards the end I kind of decided to just you know ditch everyone and go whenever I felt like slowing down because that's what I expected everyone else to do in the beginning because when I was slowing down I was like okay I'm gonna stop you guys go I did the I did the reverse when I others stopped down stopped I kind of did the reverse so I don't know <laughs> yeah yeah I think there's especially I'd say in the desert where a lot of injuries kind of happen um I mean, injuries happen all over the trail, I guess, when you roll an ankle or like something unexpected yeah. happens, but a lot of the overuse injuries and body compensation and like your body's just getting used to walking yeah. that far every day happen in the desert. So there's a lot of like mixing up of trail families and okay, you guys go yeah. ahead, I'll meet you there or um, that and sort you of never thing. Meet them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then you never see them again. Yeah. Um, how many of the people do you still keep in touch with from the trail? Plenty. Um, I actually have like at least 15, 16 people I actually talk to randomly. And there's this whole Instagram, you know, kind of see someone posted something in the comments. So that's it. But if I had like really put a number, I said I really talk it with five, six people who are like original, like who started with me. And were, I was on an office with this other trail family. There's like five of them. So yeah, there's like plenty of people from trail I actually keep in touch with. Yeah, I think that's been so fun is like being able to still keep in touch with people. And again, that's why I'm doing this type of <laughs> series on the podcast. <laughs> because again, we, we met on night one and I didn't see you, I think. And, um, I you think met the we... very, very first night. Yep. The first night we camp on the top. Uh, then we met again in... Um, uh, when we jumped, right? When everyone jumped to Ashland? No, no, no. Not uh, towards Washington. Uh, Timberline Lodge? Yeah. No, I, I think remember. after that, even after that, we met again, no? We met in Cascade Locks. We met in Cascade Locks, yeah. I think when we were there for PCT days. No, no. Oh. No, before that. Before that, because I remember power, uh, it's power plant, right? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I remember meeting them. No, trail days, I, I already met you guys when I get to the trail days. So it was before, it was before. It's the first time I went to the Cascade Locks, yeah. I didn't okay. meet you. Uh, I think there was this whole power cable thingy going on. You had a, they had a power cable and they were asking like, I had a horse, oh, whatever. I know, I know. <laughs> it's a very random memory. I remember <laughs> one of those guys uh, did not have the uh, uh, iPhone power cable and they were asking me and they were saying like, you has the power cable and you were like way ahead of from the group. <laughs> this whole thing happened. <laughs> it's a very random memory, I know. <laughs> it's interesting though how those like little random memories kind of pop in and yeah. you know that's one of the other things that's been really fun for me like obviously the trail is filled with memories but yeah. do you have any of like favorite memories that you just want to recount and like relive and tell me about because I wasn't part of your whole trail experience <laughs> I would say um so when I was climbing up on Santa Cinta we made uh, we made this um uh no, it's section. He was he was doing a section, and we were on top of Santa. This is me, Kerian, and uh, that guy, and he has like dried strawberries, and we was like eating dried strawberries on top of Santa. <laughs> it's like it's a very random. <laughs> it's like okay, that's one. Um, I know, I know, it's very random. <laughs> Then uh, there was this like solo um, side uh, trip by uh, side kind of trail. I took like Benson, I think it's Benson, like I don't know, it's a lake uh, to take to the north of uh, Sierras. And I had like a whole damn lake to myself, like no one on the beach. 
So I kind of like, you know, had spent like a spin, skied it, and kind of enjoyed it, just <laughs> carrying it to myself. And the other part is I, I did the half term alone. And I, yeah, uh, I went up there around like 6.30 in the evening. When I got up there, it's like seven o'clock when I was up on top of the hard dome and no one was there on top of the hard dome. No one. I was thinking myself, I'm on, on the top of, I'm on top of one of the most famous landmarks in the entire damn world. And I'm just having it to myself. <laughs> it's like. I know. I have like goosebumps <laughs> just thinking about that. So yeah. you took an excursion to Yosemite, did Half Dome, and yeah. you were the only one up there. Yeah, because I started in like two in the evening, two or three in the evening. Then so I was going up and I was uh, meeting these all the people who are coming down. And it was like not the first dome, even before that, there was two, um, uh, two friends, I think one guy and two other girls. And one was saying to me, are you going to camp up there or are you going to come down tomorrow? I was so arrogant and I was so sure. I told I told them I'll I'll meet you on the way back. <laughs> I knew my legs can take it. <laughs> I was so sure. <laughs> <laughs> I went up. So I went up there around uh, 6 45, 7 o'clock. I spent a good half an hour around 7:30. Then I saw I thought to myself, something goes wrong. No one would find me till next day. So I went, came down. And just before the uh, exit, like towards last, you know, there's this paved road. I actually met those two people. I talked, like saying, I said, bye. Hi. <laughs> that was, and it felt so great because they were so underestimated. Like I would like camp up there or stay there. But like having said to them, hey, <laughs> on the way back was like really, really <laughs> 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 so elegant move, but it's so fulfilling. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I think honestly, sometimes even talking to people who don't understand what the PCT is, like watching their faces kind of contort and like try to figure it out. It sounds like it was the same situation with those folks that you passed. Yeah, I mean they can't believe because I think they started in the morning, went up there. <laughs> Like they, I think they started around 10, 10 or 11 in the morning and went up there and came down 11 in the night. It's now normally it's take like 12 hours to go. That's what they recommend, right? Go in the morning and come in the evening, 12 hours. And because we we have hiked so much and you have done like Sierra's, your legs are so damn used to the abuse. You can just go up there and come down in like seven to eight hours. Like you go up like 7,000, 6,000 at least feet up, right? You can't really remember. Go up and come down in like seven to eight hours. It's just unbelievable for another person who really don't get, you know, this person has been on trail doing just walking. You you are bound to get good, get good at walking, right? <laughs> but yeah, it was so damn, it felt so damn good. <laughs> Definitely definitely get good at walking so yeah. kind of like transitioning into a little bit about the post-trail stuff with the you were really good at walking when you got home did you want to keep hiking or did you want to like sit and do nothing actually I wanted to sit and do nothing uh, uh so when I get back home I had like a couple of things I had to go back to my job mm -hmm. uh, because uh I had like a week to stay at home so I what I did was I kind of met me uh, meet up with friends just did all of that uh, then at the same time I wanted to go and hike but at the same time I'm weird I wasn't uh, interested it's that whenever I felt like going on hiking it felt like yeah I have done like this much of hiking so doing like a one day or a two day trek does not seem interesting as it was before I don't know that's how I felt uh, and it was all right because I got back into working. I started all of that at the same time. Still, I mean, still I have this problem. It feels like I'm missing the high. Like, you know, you had like something great happening every day. And now we are in kind of like, you know, being normal every day. So it's like, it's like, you know, come crashing down from a big high. So that's, that's still I'm struggling with that. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't think there's like a right answer here, but how are you kind of managing that? Like feeling like you're still missing the trail and 
just like you said, kind of coming down off this massive experience? So right after coming down, like came back from trail and after meeting with friends and stuff working, I kind of started like watching this TV series, like random stuff, like shitload of them. I have I have gone through like five, six series, like not even being chosen, just smashing through all of them. So then it came to a point where I don't like watching TV series or anything anymore. So then I started like, you know, slowly doing, you know, getting back, like doing normal stuff. But at the same time, still I'm not um, really over with the whole thing. But between that and I'm doing my own documentary series kind of thing for YouTube, right? Between that, making that and also talking with people, it's it's okay. Because you have to accept that that period of life is exceptional. That is not going to be your everyday life and be okay with it. Because in back of your mind, you always know there's this thing that you can do and be epic. And it won't, it won't be the case always. And I think it's, it's you have to accept that is the reality. Because there's no, I mean, you can try to do all of that. You can try to go and hike, but at the same time, you will always have to come and do, because you can't do the, I mean, if you're not committed to like a long trip, you have to live through your day-to-day -day life and you have to accept that. Okay, this is your new reality and just live through it. I think that's, and be healthy about it and just talk with people. I, mean, I talk with you, I talk with my trail family as well, but I talk, I try to talk with my normal friends back at home. They don't really get it. They were like, oh, you did that, man. <laughs> so uh no but people who want to try to really get that yeah yeah I think there's a lot of that right like the people at home we love them and they care a bit about our experiences but it's just it's it's different from the folks that are out on the trail with you and that's okay there's nothing yeah. wrong that they weren't there but it does it shifts things a little bit um yeah. and I, I know there's a lot of kind of We'll call it heartache and longing for the the trail. But is there anything at home that you've actually that you missed a lot that you were happy to get back? Uh, I mean, not necessarily. Like I had like a lot of things because the last four years, I kind of you know everything was about the trail kind of a situation for me because I was like looking for whenever I had like a free time, I just look up for free time. Right now, I'm looking for a project to commit myself to these days rather than you know trying to get back to something that I was. I'm trying I'm trying to find out something that interests me in long term so that keep me engaging. Maybe another through hike, maybe you know travel for a while, maybe go abroad and live there for a while. something else. Can be a trail, can be not a trail, doesn't matter. Something, a long-term project that you know keep me interested. That is what I'm looking for. But awesome. I did not get back to anything saying like I missed that. I never really did miss anything. Maybe except a bit of Sri Lankan food. <laughs> I think that's probably fair. <laughs> okay, so kind of with that, I have a couple of questions that I usually wrap things up with. But before I do that, I do want you to shout out, and I'll put it in the show notes too, your, the documentary. What is your YouTube channel that you've been working on? Because I've watched those uh, pieces come out and they're awesome. So it goes as just as my name. Uh, it's Vidura Pereira. So it's, my YouTube handle goes as at Vidura Pereira now. A uh, documentary series is, it's just called a PCD story. So <laughs> uh, if you go to my channel, it will just pop up uh, at Repairer. So yeah, thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, you've done such a nice job putting it together that I definitely if you want to go check it out. I would recommend it. Um, okay. So you said you missed food, specifically the Sri Lankan food. Yeah. If you were to say, what was your favorite trail meal? Not the trail town food, okay. but what was your favorite meal that you'd eat on trail? I had like favorite trail for like each section for, you know, during the uh, California, I was eating like three or four sneaker bars a day. And it, <laughs> I love like it. And it, it came to a point where I would just wrap a tortilla around a sneaker bar and call it my lunch. <laughs> <laughs> And eat like another stick of us, and that is one. <laughs> but you know, it and it came to a point where, like, towards the end of the uh, California, I was like, I can't even look at sneakers. <laughs> I <was> like, I'm <laughs> so done. <laughs> uh, that's there for that. Um, 
then um, this funny thing happened. Um, uh, I can't remember. Uh, what's her name? Hmm. Not Presta. Pickles. She looked at my uh, food and it's like, and she was like, you are disgusting. That food is disgusting. Let me take you to the supermarket and actually get some real food. Then uh, I started eating like, you know, actually making my proper tortilla wraps. So at one point I was like using tortilla and salami and packing out like uh, fresh spinach and putting some bit of mayonnaise and actually making a wrap, <laughs> proper wrap. <laughs> so for a while that was that, especially in Washington, uh, because the weather is cold enough, you can keep this fresh, fresh stuff for a while. So that. So between eating like, you know, proper healthy wrap versus proper shitty wrap, I have been both extremes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so the tortilla was the staple and then it was just, do I put yes, some Snickers yeah. in it or do I put salami in it? <laughs> awesome. Uh, what was your favorite trail town this year? Um, I think it's Cascade Locks. Uh, yeah, Cascade Locks. I think Cascade Locks in trail days. Not the one that I passed before. So, <laughs> Same town, but different experience. Yep, two different okay. experiences. What was your favorite um, piece of gear that you carried? Uh, piece of gear? Um, I, I'm trying to decide between my tent or my puffy. Hmm. Yeah. I would say the Gosmia Gear 1, um, it's it's one pound and it weighs nothing. But at the same time, you can just, you know, when there's like no space to put up in small at compact, you can just pitch it anywhere. So I really loved it. And it lasted the whole trade. So no, just like small hole, that's about it. Yeah. So that was my favorite piece of gear. The tent, Gossamer gear. The one. I, think also, I think that is like the second of first piece of gear I bought as well. So <laughs> Fair enough. And you're many different uh, purchase yep. iterations. Yep. And then what was one of your favorite trail names that you heard on the trail this year? Trail, I, I, I don't know, Kev, uh, like interesting person or the interesting name itself? Creative freedom, whichever you prefer. So the, I think Kev man was interesting. Uh, you remember him, right? Uh, I, do, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. So he was an interesting character itself. Um, a story uh, there. Uh, I was climbing over a blowdown in Washington, and Caveman was like, "Can I take a picture of you? That looks pretty cool." <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, sure." Yeah, uh, you know the first first lake that you get um in the Sierras, it's Ducks Lake, right? The Chicken first Spring Lake, Chicken Spring Lake. Yeah. So this guy was like, "Let me try to swim to the other side." So he swim from this from this side to the other side, like skinny dip and swim to the other side and just walk around from the edge to this side, just naked. And everyone was like, all right, he just did that. <laughs> so I don't know what was shit called. Yeah, that water was very cold. Yeah, so he was like, no, swim to, let me slowly swim to the other side and just walk around naked to the this side. <laughs> In totally European. <laughs> Oh, for sure. I would actually like to have KBN on. I don't know if I have his contact information. Yeah, I'll send you. Yeah. Um, okay. And then as like a, a final wrap up here, I know that what we just talked about coming home as a hiker from an experience like this can be a challenge for a lot of, a lot of different reasons. If you had to give somebody advice of how to best welcome a hiker home, what would that be? Uh, I would say just give them time and let them like, you know, ease back into life because when I was back, like everyone was so interested to this and that and, you know, just let's meet up all of that. At the same time, I really wanted to, you know, just ease into it rather than jump back right in where I left off because for me and also let me understand like their lives has changed as well. 
like for me, I kind of coming back to where I stopped. So they have had like six months time jump and they have worked through that they have changes. At the same time, as a hiker, my habits who I'm used to be has changed. So I'm not the, the person who actually left. To be honest, I mean, a lot of people say that, but I can't really felt it because I was used to be like really extrovert person, like, you know, say yes to all things. When I came back, I was kind of reserved for myself. I did not expect me to be like reserved and like not excited about certain things. So just be, you know, let just let the hiker ease into their all, all life. Yeah, that's the whole thing I would say. Just be patient and ease, let them ease in and not expect that person to be the same person that left like six months ago, I guess. Yeah, I think that's interesting, right? Kind of, we do, we leave one person and come back. I mean, fundamentally we're the same, but so much changes in such a short period of time that it can feel like this like integration period. So I think that's I mean, awesome advice. Worldview has changed in that sense. Like the way you look at world and certain things, Okay, this is a funny example is okay. I'll give you one example, a good one. So you normally on trail, like what you take a shower every four or five days, right? And at that point, like you are like really, really covered in shit. <laughs> and, and when I came back home and I was saying at home, I did not feel like like actually taking a bath every day. <laughs> because I felt like, yeah, I'm cleaning up. <laughs> like my mother has to point out at one point. Why aren't you taking a bath? I was like, I'm cleaning up. <laughs> so <laughs> standards like, for cleanliness very much so drop. <laughs> yeah, so the so like that, this very subtle changes, you know, you need to ease back into it. I mean, like when you are in your normal civilization life, like people expect they're like, you know, stay clean and whatnot. But the standard of clean has drastically gone down to us. So things like that, you don't even notice it for a while until like someone else pointed out. So that is one of one thing. There's like a lot like that. Like I figured it out, or someone else pointed out to me. That's like, oh my God. <laughs> so. Yeah, for other people, maybe it's weird to not want to bathe every day, but it's yeah. very kind of normal on the other side of a, a through hike. Yeah. And you you feel so clean staying at home two days without like going out much. And you're like, yeah, clean enough. My skin is clean. It doesn't, when I do that, it doesn't, I don't get like brown or something on my head. I don't have salt crystals all through my hairline. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. But thank you for being part of the Walking Towards Fear podcast and sharing about your experience with us. And thank you for inviting me. <laughs> you are so welcome. We'll definitely stay in touch. Have a rest. You are now at the end of your day. So enjoy the rest of your evening. And yeah, uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. See ya. Bye. <laughs> Bye, Eli.